Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Do you need a laugh? Well, <laughs> this is funny and spooky. At least I think it's funny. Uh, hopefully you will. If not funny, well, at least perhaps you'll find it uh, goofy and dumb enough to be interesting. And I, and I say that because I almost feel like this podcast I'm about to leave for you is more geared toward fans and regular listeners who want a little bit of a glimpse behind the scenes, perhaps. And, uh, and, and of course, right now, everybody is just stressed out and tense half the time, and we're all wondering how things are going to turn out this year. And so, hey, sometimes yeah, you just have to kick back and let off some steam and try to get a good laugh in. And so... I have a short video clip to share with you, but before I do that, I need to give you the full context here so you can appreciate the significance of this video. This is footage that uh, was possibly going to air on TV and never did. (laughs) You'll probably see why when you watch it. Let me start by saying that, yes, I talk about a lot of serious things, you know, issues that play an important role in how you can maybe improve your life or change the world and all this kind of stuff. But as you may have noticed, I also have, I think, a pretty crazy sense of humor. And I, uh, I've, I've always felt like you, you can't really appreciate the paranormal unless you also are open enough to appreciate the absurdity of the paranormal. Like, there's a funny part to all of it. And, of course, it's pretty obvious. It's like talking about aliens probing people. Like, that's a... There's obviously something funny about that. I'm sure it's not if you've been probed. But, you know, it's like the South Park caricature of, you know, aliens probing people. Or like in the movie Ghostbusters, they're making fun of ghosts the whole time. It's like when the incubus shows up in the guy's bedroom, you know. Or I, over the years, I have sat there and watched some of these big, tough, grizzled, old cryptozoologists sit there and describe in great detail for me how hung Bigfoot is with this little sparkle in their eyes. Uh, there's, that's a phenomenon of some kind. So there is something funny about all this stuff. And so sometimes you have to sort of acknowledge that. Uh, but, you know, I've been working in media for a long time, going back to when I was a teenager. And over the years, I've done a lot of different stuff, including some comedic stuff. And, uh, and I want to be careful because I don't want to blur the line and people to, to think I'm being uh, serious when I'm joking and vice versa. So you have to be careful with that. But... Um, I mean, like, I made a movie, an independent feature film, when I was 19 years old, a comedy on a very low budget called Inbred Rednecks, and it was because when I grew up in the mountains of western North Carolina, one of the little secret fun things that I discovered that some of these these teenage guys would do is they'd go off to Tennessee, where there was a giant, well-made, well-attended arena of cheering people, and they would hold cockfights. And it was like a scene out of a Jean-Claude Damban movie. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. And so I was always just sort of amazed by that. And I thought, this could, 
there's potential here for some kind of a silly film. And so I made this silly film. And look, and I'm not condoning or endorsing cockfighting, but I will tell you that if God is a chicken, I'm in big trouble because I have eaten my share of chicken over the years. Um, but I, 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 there was a guy I've known for at least 10 years who told me the other day, he says, I never knew you made this comedy called Inbred Rednecks. And he, it's on YouTube. You can watch it for free. And I'm not advising you to do that, by the way. But he said that he loves it, that it's hilarious. It's like his favorite movie now. And he went out and bought the DVD and everything. So uh, some people love it so much. There is a guy out there who got the logo tattooed on his arm. So again, I, I'm not telling you to watch that movie. I'm just telling you I've been involved in a lot of comedic stuff. I actually am on screen with Robin Williams in the movie Patch Adams. Now, granted, I, I'm on screen with him for about two seconds, but I got to spend about three days working with him and having lunch with him every day. I mean, like, literally the two of us. And um, wonderful guy, just hilarious person. Um, I got to act, basically, with Rob Riggle recently, <laughs> doing his comedic stuff on the Discovery Channel. Um, and so, you know, I've always, you know, tried to tell funny stories over the years on my different radio programs, and hopefully you can tell when I'm, when I'm joking and when I'm being serious, maybe not, but anyhow, one of my partners in crime all these years when it comes to making movies and especially some stuff that's funny is Mr. C. Eric Scott. And C. Eric Scott and I, we've made a number of films together, Talking Tall, Inside the Church of Satan. Both of them have funny stuff in them. And then we made a movie that has never been released called The Commodore. And uh, that was shot in Puerto Rico like five years ago, and way before the hurricanes and all this stuff. And so we, we really captured time in a bottle there. And at some point, I'm sure we'll release it. I don't know what we're waiting for, but... Uh, <laughs> Maybe it's just because I'm not sure what the reaction will be. Um, but C. Eric Scott, uh, we he he's always been, you know, like my go-to guy for many, many production purposes. We have a production company called Warren Scott Productions that we uh, we partner up on for different projects. And so, uh, like nine years ago, when the producers at uh, with the travel channel came to me and said that they wanted me to be a cast member on this new tv series called paranormal paparazzi uh i was told that they were going to send me around the country uh with one camera guy who would also be like a field producer type i would have a camera of my own but then this guy would be there to uh, to handle any kind of you know heavy production work, shooting master shots, getting everything together at the end of the day, getting it all processed and sent back to uh, the the base camp there in New York where they could start you know editing it and all that kind of stuff. And for all the other cast members, they they assigned a producer, but I just insisted that they hire Eric to be my film producer slash cameraman. And I said, look, this is what he does already. He's, he's a professional. He under, he has all the technology. He understands how to use everything. And I'm going to be spending long, long, long 
hours and long, long, long days for, for weeks and months at a time traveling all over this country with this person. And I didn't particularly care for the idea of being stuck with a brand new friend, some stranger that I have to spend my life with. It could be anybody, right? At least I know Eric. I know I like him. He knows me. We get along. We, you know, we understand each other. So it made sense. And so they hired him. And it was not easy because he had some other opportunities that he had to rearrange in order to take that job. So the next thing you know, here Eric and I are traveling around the country on these assignments. And it's the kind of thing where we'd say sayonara to friends and family and then we hit the road and we don't come back for you know, a month because we're just bouncing from one spot to another covering a different story every day basically and you know how it goes or you can imagine how it goes in TV you might cover a hundred stories and ten of them get aired so uh, they they already had some specific stories that they wanted us to go out and, and document similar to just doing a news segment like like you'd watch on the local news for two or three minutes um, but we wanted our stuff to be the best and so along the way, as hard as it was, wherever we were traveling, if I got an idea or if I saw a piece of news or if I came across some research about another story that we could cover, I would say to Eric, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just do it. We can squeeze it. We got two hours here. Let's go do this. And we would go just on our own and shoot a story without being told to do it. We just do that on our own time. And some of those actually ended up making it on the air, while many of the ones that they assigned did not make it on the air. So we were really good. Just You could just set the two of us loose, and it's like, uh, you know, the genie comes out, and suddenly the, the universe just starts laying down all of these wondrous, weird, paranormal treasures for us everywhere we would turn. Just incredible synchronicities. That's a whole other... I could do a whole podcast sometime just about some of the weird synchronicities that we had traveling around doing that show. But my point is this. In addition to us shooting our segments, we also decided to, whenever we could do something else that nobody else was doing and that was to create our own dumb little reenactments of these critical <laughs> of these critical moments uh, in some of these cases and make them funny reenactments because this show paranormal paparazzi as you can uh, infer from the name was intended to be kind of a light show you know kind of a fluffy show what you might call a fluff piece or whatever but uh you know with good good interesting real content but just done in a, in a very light-hearted way not so serious and dramatic and heavy so um here are some of the things that we covered and i'm telling you these particular ones because these are ones that we shot little reenactments for uh we covered the lizard man down in Bishopville, South Carolina. And if you don't know about the Lizard Man, the Lizard Man is, you know, like seven feet tall, reptilian. He just looks like a big-ass bipedal reptilian man. Uh, claws, fangs, the whole nine yards. 
started appearing in the 1980s. And I'm telling you, Bishopville, South Carolina, very, very rural. And scaring the shit out of people. And one of those things like, you know, you're driving down some desolate road in the middle of nowhere at night, and all of a sudden, here's this lizard man standing in the road who then proceeds to jump onto your car and start attacking your car. And there are just there's story after story after story. And I never believed that these stories were true until I went down there with Eric and met the retired sheriff who was the sheriff during the peak of all this. We met him at his home. He showed us all the evidence for Lizard Man, all these pictures and stuff of damage done to cars and, and fences and stuff. And uh, and the sheriff was convinced, and this was an, an old school, like no-nonsense, backwoods kind of sheriff who was out there hunting down moonshiners, moonshiners in his young days. And he believed that this was there was something to this and then he uh got in the car with us and the current sheriff and they drove us all around so here we are with these two sheriffs the current sheriff and the former sheriff driving us to all these places where people had these encounters then they took us to the home of some of the witnesses some of the victims you could say who had had lizard man jump out and chew on their car and all this and we saw the teeth marks and by the time we left there i really did believe that there was something to this lizard man like this is some kind of a weird creature these people are telling the truth you know these are not people trying to to pull a prank here and so the first thing we did okay so we were not prepared to do a reenactment of any kind but I felt we, we had to, and so each one of these reenactments is about 10 seconds long. So we shot me sitting there in the car at night, screaming my head off, while Eric plays Lizard Man, <laughs> jumping around the, the hood of the car. And no, we didn't have a Lizard Man costume or anything like that. Uh, and so I forget what we had. We got some kind of bag or something that looked weird and just put it over Eric's head so that it would look a little misshapen. And there's this. So the video starts with this like 10 seconds of me sitting there just screaming my ass off in horror as this dumb looking lizard man <laughs> facade goes uh, jumping around the front of the vehicle. It's really dumb. But. I really tried to conjure up a, a true feeling of just absolute horror, like when the roller coaster drops, um, for my expression. Because if you think about it, guys, really put yourself in that position. If you were alone, way out in the middle of a rural place like that, at night, and you're going down the road, and all of a sudden this giant lizard is there, lizard man okay and starts attacking you that's going to be one of the most terrifying moments of your life next i would say our dumbest reenactment came from near tampa florida where we were investigating reports of the skunk ape and of course the skunk ape is sort of like a smaller version of a bigfoot um think of it as a, a shorter 
skinnier version of a Bigfoot that's a little bit more like a slender gorilla that runs around the swamps and uh, and hides in the brush and rummages through the trash. <laughs> and, of course, it's called a skunk ape because it just smells so damn bad. And, again, there's something inherently funny about the fact that, you know, you, you hear some noise outside in Florida when everybody's getting liquored up. That's an old skunk ape out there again, you know. But uh, there was a guy who is a skunk ape expert, one of these fellows who dresses up, uh, you know, kind of stylized like an Indiana Jones type and real nice guy. Uh, we met him out uh, in the woods at some park there. And uh, he was telling us about his skunk ape sightings. And um, I was trying to think of something funny to say. And I was like, ah, I've got it. I've got it. So I'm sitting there interviewing him being very serious. And, And I'm not saying I don't take these skunk ape sightings seriously. I mean, what do I know? I mean, I'm the last person to to make fun of somebody for reporting something weird. Um, but again, I wanted I was looking for a joke in here. And so here's what I did. I'm t- this guy, he's being very sincere and uh, and telling me about, I think he saw one of these things like uh, next to the dumpster at Walmart or something like that. And so, of course, the first thing I said was, how do you, how do you know this isn't a guy in a suit? And he says, oh, what are the chances of that? You know, there was, this is late at night. There was nobody around. So then here, this was difficult for me to say. This was hard for me to deliver this line because I had to keep a straight face when I said this. And I said it in a way so that it made it seem like I was hesitating to even ask it. But I looked at this skunk ape expert as the camera was rolling and I very seriously said, if a man and a chimpanzee made love, do you think that could create a skunk ape? And the guy goes, Oh, I, you know, I, you know, I, I don't even think that's possible. You know, I don't even, I don't think that's biologically possible. That you know, that's a different type of primate. And he gives me this like real serious answer, and I'm like, I pulled it off, and that made the cut. That made the cut. So anyway, when you watch this reenactment, you will see that I say this is the dumbest one because that we the last thing we had on hand was a skunk ape costume and so this is one of those things where you know we we were at the party city or the walmart party section or whatever and we just found like some kind of stupid ass like monkey ears and a monkey nose uh knowing me i may have had this in my backpack sometimes i just carry stuff like that with me right you never know and so Eric, <laughs> he, he he plays the skunk ape and he puts this stupid shit on, and I think he had an orange or something like that. And you you all, you you can watch it and see what happens. So that was a silly one. So anyway, 
then one of the places we ended up at was the Vinoy Hotel, which is in St. Petersburg, Florida. I think they call it the Vinoy Park Hotel now. Big, fancy, old-fashioned hotel built in 1925. You know, there are a lot of wealthy people down there in St. Petersburg. And uh, this hotel, I think it's like a four-diamond hotel. And we went there to stay for a night because they say it's haunted. And a couple of interesting things I'll tell you is that we got there early in the day to just run around and shoot various things and interview people. And so at one point, uh, our work was done, so we decided to go sit down at their big, fancy, old-fashioned bar and have a stiff drink. And so I sit down at the bar, and I turn to my left, and guess what? Lo and behold, sitting next to me is Ric Flair. Yes, the legendary wrestler, Ric Flair. Woohoo! Right? That guy? And long blonde hair. You know, Hulk Hogan also uh, lives somewhere around St. Petersburg. A lot of those wrestlers kind of retired down there. So Ric Flair is sitting there next to me, and he has his wife with him. And so we start chatting with those two, and we probably sat there for two hours and drank and talked with Ric Flair and his wife. And we told them what we were up to. And I'll just let you know that Ric Flair's wife is really into all this kind of metaphysical stuff. But Ric Flair, you know, he kind of rolled his eyes and said uh, he doesn't really believe in anything. He goes, however... (laughs) He said, however, um, he said there was a period of time when things were not going very well for me financially, and he said that his wife had him talk to some astrologer, and the astrologer said, on this day, something big is going to happen that's going to change all that for you, and he's like, yeah, whatever, and then um, that day came around, and boom, he gets a deal with Coca-Cola, yeah, to be like a sponsor, it's a sponsorship deal with coca-cola and he said that made him (laughs) think about things a little differently so that was a fun day and hey rick flair bought our drinks that's a hell of a nice guy thank you rick flair um so then uh there was a nice like grotto and and like a, a nice pool outside so we go hey let's take advantage of this place the the rooms are 700 dollars a night so we went and uh, we sat out in the pool and we were the only people there in this nice pool with like a little water fountain and stuff because there was a horrible thunderstorm coming in and Eric and I are, are dumb enough to be sitting there with lightning flashing all around us in this pool. Uh, anyway, so the story is, okay, a lot of the professional baseball players, I guess like the Tampa bay rays and the buccaneers and all those types of folks they they like to hang out there around the vinoy in st petersburg and they train and a lot of them stay in the vinoy uh a lot of the teams that come in to play stay at the vinoy i mean it's very much tied in with the professional baseball culture there and these baseball players are always talking about waking up at night and seeing some kind of ghost in their room, which to me is one of the scariest things that could happen is to wake up in the middle of the night and there's a ghost standing next to your bed because you're just so vulnerable, you're unprepared. I mean, that's just the creepiest thing, right? 
And in particular, the ghost that haunts the Vinoy is said to be a man, a tall man, and he's wearing sort of formal dress, and he has a top hat. And some people says he has a little mustache. And so the second reenactment we did was of me lying there in bed, sleeping, and for just to add a little touch, a little touch to the scene, uh, we got a pillow... And I figured I wanted to, instead of just having a boring old pillow there that I'm kind of holding as I'm sleeping, I thought it would be funnier if the pillow had like a face on it or something so it kind of looked cute and cuddly. So I don't know what we did, but we got some paper and some tape and we put some like some kind of, <laughs> something that resembled a face on this pillow. See, this is the, the degree of detail. Um, we got a top hat somewhere. I think that, you know, a lot of times what we would do if we decided we were going to do a reenactment is if we found a party city or something, we would go in and we would buy some basic props and say, let's see if we can do something with this. And if not, we would just throw together whatever we had at the scene to approximate what, what may be uh, appearing. So anyway, in the second clip, you will see me wake up. I look over. There's Eric standing there wearing like a some kind of hat, twiddling his mustache. And again, you see me flip out and, and start screaming my head off. So, by the way, nobody knows who this man is who haunts the Vinoy, but it's well known. Third clip is... Um, now this is a this is actually one of the stranger things that we did. We went and spent some time with a man named Dan Martin, who was a survival expert. And Dan Martin, uh, at one point in his life, uh, he he had built a lot of money working for some big uh, aeronautics company, and he and his wife decided to just live completely isolated off the grid. And so they went as so far out in, into to West Texas that they went into an area that's officially designated as an uninhabitable zone. They bought a mountaintop there. I mean, it's right there on the Mexican border. From there, you can literally look over and you can see Mexico. And they built this completely self-sustaining cabin there. And for six years, they had no contact with another human being. They didn't talk to anybody. They didn't get online. Uh, they, they used solar power. They had a cistern to collect rain. They raised goats. They grew plants. I mean, they just had their own world to themselves, completely off the grid, for six years. And then after six years, um, something happened, and I guess his wife wanted to see her family for some reason, and so they went back into the world and immediately got sick as hell. This is something else to keep in mind about viruses and sicknesses. Because that for six years they had not been exposed to the evolution of these viruses and bacteria and whatnot, uh, it almost killed them. They had to basically take, he said, like HIV drugs because their immune system was so bad until they were able to gradually catch back up with everybody else in order to maintain health. And then this is a young man. I mean, he was in his 30s. So um, so anyway, he took us way out there to his house. And and I'm telling you, it was just so quiet. And the whole theme to, to being out there was 
zombie apocalypse. You know, what happens if there's a zombie apocalypse and we all have to just get off the grid and go out and survive on our own? That's what the producers came up with in New York. And so, um, you know, we were out there shooting guns and carrying on. And it was a really interesting uh, night. And right now, we, we're, we kind of, I think we're getting a taste of a, a zombie apocalypse right now, aren't we? But um, so Eric and I decide, hey, let's do some kind of a reenactment of a zombie apocalypse scene. Hence the next clip, which is a clip where Eric plays a zombie who's invading the living room and I am defending the living room and you will see what happens. All right. And then the last little clip in this uh, montage is, well, this goes back to the Vinoy Hotel. We couldn't do a story about a big old haunted hotel with long hallways without including an homage to The Shining. And so we did the, the dumbest one of all, um, where Eric is moving down a hallway and he comes around a corner and there you see the twins portrayed by me in whatever we had on hand, uh, <laughs> where I do my very best, come play with us, Danny. Right, you know the scene. Come play with us, Danny. That whole clip is one minute and 17 seconds long. One minute and 17 seconds long. And so if you go to my Twitter, at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, you can watch it. And I think, and now that you know the story, you will laugh. I think you will find it funny if you realize that this is just me and Eric just riffing and just like at the saying we've got an extra 15 minutes here let's just do something stupid if they use it great if they don't great the whole time we were doing these things we were sending them back to new york and they were laughing their asses off and saying they loved it but when it came time to get serious and cut the final show together they didn't include any of this stuff so you're going to see one minute and 17 seconds worth of crazy silly reenactments that we did uh, that cannot be seen any other way. Uh, also, something else I want to tell you when it comes to uh, Dan Martin. You really might want to check out some of his survival guides and stuff. He has published books and survival guides. I think that, because, you know, let's say there's an EMP tomorrow, and I hope you have a Sunshine Simple Solar Generator or something like that, but if you, let's say, regardless... If, if the internet goes uh, down, you're not going to be able to get online and figure out what you need to do to survive. And look how long this lockdown's been going on. Okay, this lockdown's been going on for, uh, I don't even know how many months now. And it's there's no, you know, close end in sight. We're going to get into that in a minute. And so, let's see here. There's a book in particular that... I, he wrote that's a really good book and it's called oh come on it's called apocalypse and um oh hang on a second i thought i had it brought up here uh yeah there it is it's called apocalypse how to survive a global crisis by dan martin if you have to get one book 
uh, and I and you can last I looked you can find them on Amazon even if you get a you can get a used one for probably like twelve thirteen fourteen dollars but even you know whatever you have to do it's worth it if you have no internet and you don't have any survival skills this book because I used to have a copy but I just bought a new one because I think my other copy is in uh, Asheville but uh, it's got all like all the information you need about how to like sterilize water properly and how to catch animals and and skin them properly and cook them properly and uh, how to how to uh, treat your yourself medically and how to build different types of generators and I mean it's just like all, everything you need to know to survive he teaches you in this book because he did it you know he, he for six years he's living proof of it apocalypse how to survive a global crisis by Dan Martin and you can probably also get that through his website where he has all kinds of different resources there his website is diysufficient.com he's not paying me or telling me to, to talk about this he doesn't even know I'm talking about it uh, diysufficient.com uh, I've met the guy I've hung with the guy I've interviewed the guy in numerous media in many formats and I'm telling you he knows what he's talking about and he's not some bullshitter who's just taken something off the internet and putting it on a piece of paper and selling it to you he's lived this stuff so he knows what he's talking about and i would trust him as a survival guy beyond anybody else i've ever met so uh if you want to just go ahead and get one or two good survival guides on hand to throw in with your emergency sh you know shit kit for when the shit hits the fan uh i would go for something by dan martin to watch the video of these reenactments, go to my Twitter page, at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren. You can just go to twitter.com and do a search for Joshua P. Warren. You can also find a link if you go to joshuapwarren.com. You'll find a link there to my Twitter page. That's where you will find I have posted this one minute, 17 second clip and when you click that link, it's going to take you to see Eric Scott's YouTube channel called DigFilm, D-I-G-F-I-L-M. I hope you will subscribe to Eric's channel because he has all kinds of interesting things that he has posted and is going to be posting soon. So uh, go there and check out what Eric has put for you. And uh, thank you, Mr. C. Eric Scott, for posting that for all of the wonderful people in this audience so anyway hopefully you'll get a kick out of that pour yourself a glass of wine and kick back and watch one minute and 17 seconds of joy speaking of funny stuff listen to this we're trying out different red wines here at my house and so Lauren she came home with like six different brands that we'd never had before. One of them that has the most eye-catching label is called Zenfomaniac. Now, you know what a Nymphomaniac is, I'm sure. So this is called Zenfomaniac. And on the front, we have a, um, a very detailed, colorful painting of a nude pinup girl with long curly brown locks 
nude save for three gold leaves very carefully placed around her most personal areas and she is holding a glass of red wine this is in fact a Zinfandel and uh, let me read to you the label on the back here because I think maybe I, I should do some extra work on the side here as a wine label writer listen to this I'm not making this up Zinfomaniac the scantily clad bottle tempts you its secrets yet to be revealed you remove the cork carefully slowly your desire building with every twist steady now you've entered the realm of Zinfomania where nothing gets in the way of your passion and craving for that most hedonistic of wines Zinfandel sure it's from Lodi yes it's from old vines but Zinfomaniac is more than that arousing aromas rich spicy flavors a bold and voluptuous mouthfeel a long satisfying climax try it your taste buds will be eternally grateful when you just gotta have it I'm not sure if I'm supposed to drink this bottle or stick it somewhere but that's when I said huh I need to start writing me some wine bottle labels <laughs> you think they were uh, implying anything there <laughs> the more innuendos that I've ever seen on a bottle of wine yeah now you're all like okay how do I get this shit Zinfomaniac Z-I-N and then it's P-H-O-M-A-N-I-A-C Zinfomaniac Zinfandel <laughs> have fun with that I know you're gonna rush out and get some alright so yes fun stuff silly stuff but I am, uh, you know, getting some messages from people about some, um, well, other interesting issues that are maybe not as silly or funny. You know, there was this one lady who, um, she messaged me and she said, you know, I've, I've got the sigil to defeat coronavirus fear on my fridge and here and there and the other. And she goes, you know, I've I I'm fine. I've been well. Everybody that I know's been well. But it still seems like this thing is going on out there. And so, I in my particular case, I also um, I keep it all around my house. I've been well. Lauren's been well. And here is something that I think I need to reiterate when it comes to sigils wishing machines manifestation work all together as a collective when you're trying to to uh to address something that's more serious 
when I am out there and I am talking about magic and manifestations and wishing machines and using the force and all that, I'm intending for you to primarily use it for your own personal self-improvement. There's a big, big difference between using something in your own life versus going out and trying to change the entire world. And that's why I've said from the beginning, when it comes to the work that you do, work on your neighborhood, you know, start with your house, like start with you in your house and then, you know, work on your neck of the woods. And if you're doing a good job, then you can expand it out from there. But the world is a big, big, big place. And there's a lot happening in the world. And most of it, you, you wouldn't even know about if you didn't turn on the news and then get somebody else's agenda being spoon-fed to you and shoved down your throat. So focus on what's real versus what they tell you is real. When it comes to like the coronavirus, the COVID-19 thing in particular, um, this is going to be a hot topic in the news until the U.S. election is over. And the reason I say that is because it is a useful tool for politicians to use as a weapon against each other. So each party is using this as a weapon against the other party. Without me getting into how they're each doing it, they both are. And something that useful does not disappear from the media when you're less than three months from a major U.S. election, okay? It's just, it's not going to go away in the news media. And, and also, I mean, to presume that everybody is terrified uh, is a heck of a presumption. And I think a lot of these politicians are screwing up because they have, they have exaggerated what's happening with this situation so much that people they don't even know what to believe anymore uh wolf has been cried too many times it's such a hall of mirrors this whole situation is not as scary to people as the media and the politicians think it is or want it to be we're all doing our part you know we're doing what they tell us to do and fine but i don't think that people are out there trembling you know scared shitless uh every day because of this situation and i think that again they're, these politicians are making a big mistake because they think that it's scarier than it actually is most of us realize that uh you know without going into statistics and all that most of us realize that um whatever this is uh it's it's not as um it's not as serious as many of these politicians and media outlets are trying to pretend. All right. So that's another thing to keep in mind. But until this election's over, anything that can be used to try to jab or hit or take out the opponent will be used. So don't don't expect this stuff to disappear from the politics. And, and, and even though this is just a U.S. election, again, what happens in the U.S. affects the rest of the world. 
and and right now these globalists that I've been talking about they are spread all over the world and they want to control what happens in this election and so uh, all over the world they're going to do whatever they can to keep the pressure on until this election is over and however the election turns out after that um, you're going to see a major change in, in how all this is treated I believe you can mark my words on that but for now stay focused like I was saying stay focused on you and your household your family your friends your community your state things are going quite well here in, in Las Vegas uh, Lauren and I are finally going to be able to get to go to a movie theater here like next week they're going to open some of the movie theaters on a limited basis so we're inching back in that direction um, still no indication that they're going to open the venue for my conference so at this point I'm expecting that we'll probably just have to to do the conference in spring of 2021 that's what I'm expecting at this point because I have seen very clearly that this situation that's being used to keep bars and venues shut down the type of venue that I need and that I've bought already for my conference um, that type of thing is going to be held as a as a very last thing you know as a last wedge uh, in this lockdown structure and so um, the soonest that it would probably be available again would be around the holidays and you know nobody's going to do anything in the holidays and so I'm looking at probably spring is is what I'm thinking um, to do my conference so if you know I'll, I'll let you know as soon as I know but that's pretty much the situation as far as I can see it right now it's all about this election my friends that's everything is being abused and politicized right now and nobody cares about anything except ruthlessly winning that election but here's something interesting when it comes to self-improvement and things that you can do in order to enhance your own metaphysical prowess uh, as a matter of fact I, you know I was telling you about the gentleman in Oregon who put the emerald wand toward his third eye for oh less than a minute until it was so powerful he couldn't take it anymore and then he turned around and, and made this beautiful painting well now he's made a second painting using that same method and it's a glorious painting as well he sent that to me and so because I told that story I received an email that I thought was interesting enough to read to you and um, this is a lady who listens to this show all the time but um, this is kind of a personal story so she'd like to remain anonymous she gave me permission to read the story and uh, you'll see how it ties in to what I've been telling you so she says uh, some very nice things says uh, hi Joshua she says I just heard the 813 broadcast awesome as usual and even better narration of the Vietnam incident thanks so much she says as to the third eye reference back in the 80s my ex-husband suggested I get a sacral cranial massage 
I was real stressed out then in my marriage with three little boys and a difficult husband. Also, a dear friend of mine was dying of cancer and was hospitalized. I made an appointment and told the team of two women that I felt my heart chakra needed to be opened. It felt closed down. So they began the procedure, coaxing my heart chakra to become a bright lime green color as opposed to the dull olive green I was seeing when I meditated. When they finished, they let me lay on the table for a while, maybe five minutes passed before I sat up. The wall facing me had a large mirror. I saw my reflection immediately when I sat up. That area where the third eye resides was totally open. It's hard to explain. The third eye color is called indigo and the color slightly above but in between my eyes was an indigo, well, almost shadow looking but very evident. It looked as if there was an eye and my face was going, this can't be happening. I was astounded. So after looking for a minute or two, trying to figure out if the person I was looking at really was me, <laughs> I got off the table and went out to pay for their service. The receptionist did a double take when she looked at my face and asked if I had looked at my face. Well, I faked my answer and told her no. She told me to go to the bathroom and look. Her eyes were huge. So I went to their bathroom, and sure enough, it was still there. Meanwhile, the receptionist had told the women who had tended to me about what she had seen, and all I remember is that the main practitioner told me to go to the hospital where my friend was, but instead I headed home. Time was limited, and I had to get back to my family. By the time I got back, the appearance had gone. I attempted to explain what had happened there to my husband, and all he said was that he'd known all along I had holes in my head. Needless to say, our marriage ended. She goes on to say, I'm very, very dedicated to my family. And she says, I have an almost otherworldly acceptance of their lives. I'm fascinated to observe my grandchildren. Very cool. And she ends by saying, thanks again for your broadcast, Joshua. I love every single one. I hope you stay well. You're a fan. Isn't that something? So this lady went to have one of these sacral cranial massages. And uh, she saw it. She saw the third eye. And just like she said, in terms of chakra and aura, everybody says that it's that indigo, you know, between blue and violet, that indigo color that represents the third eye. It is a high frequency with a short wavelength. So it's like you go red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. It's the spectrum. And red is on the low end and violet is on the high end. And the mind, the consciousness, the spiritual essence is right there, seated and expressed through that third 
eye. If you're trying to see the aura, well, just relax and imagine that you're looking at the world through the third eye and suddenly you may start to see a little bit more. I've talked before about techniques for seeing the aura and I'll get into that a little bit more in the near future. Well, my friends, I have one last request. In my last podcast, I told you that in the haunted Asheville voting for best ghost tour in the USA, we were at number one because the voting goes till August 24th. Well, guess what? We have now dropped to number three. Yeah. And uh, right now, the, the, the two that are beating us are Nightly Spirits, which is actually it's a national tour company that has a bunch of different tours in different cities all around the country. So honestly, I'm not even sure how that's fair to take a company, a tour company that has a bunch of different tours and set them up to compete against one tour in one city. But that's how it is. And then the other is called Sisters Grimm, and they are in San Antonio. I'm sure that they are both good tours, but they can't be better than Haunted Asheville. I'm also sure of that. So I want us to to win, you know. And uh, one thing I can tell you about these other tours, they have gotten competitive in a hurry. They want to win. So they have called out their troops and told them to go there and vote, vote, vote. That's why we dropped from number one to number three. So here's my plea for you once again. Vote, vote, vote. You can do it at least once every 24 hours a day. You can use different browsers, different devices. Go to VoteHauntedAsheville.com. Asheville has an E in the middle. A-S-H-E-V-I-L-L-E. Go to VoteHauntedAsheville.com. It takes you two seconds. There's a blue button there that says vote. You click it, you're done. That's it. You have to sign up. You don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. You just click it and you're done. And so um, I want you to please go there and do it. And I think you know I set up a wishing machine here so that every single time you hit that blue vote button, something good happens to you. And it may not happen all like the same day, but trust me, a lot of good stuff is going to happen. It may be spread out over weeks. I've already been getting emails from people all over the country telling me about lucky things that happened to them within a few hours of, uh, of hitting the vote button. So rack up some good karma points there. Help me out. Do me a solid. It doesn't cost you any money, and we'll see if we can get that number one spot. VoteHauntedAsheville.com All right, my friends. There is much more coming soon. You know that. My plate is full. I'm working on all kinds of cool new projects and things for you. So I hope you'll stay tuned. Tell other people if you like this podcast. Tell them, tell them to listen to it. You know, Tell them that uh, it's, it's just it's independent and free and all that kind of stuff. And if you go to joshuapwarren.com, you can sign up for the free e-newsletter there. And uh, I will send you some incredible new news over the next month i'm sure of it um and you can go to the curiosity shop there look at some of the amazing things one-of-a-kind handcrafted things you will not find anywhere else on planet earth and be sure to click the link to this podcast called joshua p warren daily it's always short it's always free it's uncensored it's commercial free 
It is independent. You can really subscribe and follow us on all these different platforms, you know, Apple, Stitcher, iHeart, whatever. Or just follow me on Twitter, at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, and I will usually tweet when a new one is available. And there are hundreds and hundreds of these going back for years now that you can listen to. But if you want to hear the new ones, you better subscribe and follow and do all that kind of stuff. So, that said, thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.